Good morning. I think about JB a lot, and one thing that JB used to do quite often was he would call for a, uh, uh, offering of praise. So if you guys would join me for an offering of praise this morning, and we'll get our service started. Jesus, I praise you this morning. I love you. It's not a hard thing to do to give you my life and all my strength, God. And I give it to you this morning. And we invite you into this sanctuary this morning because we want to praise you. We want to see you. We want to love you. And God, I just thank you so much for this opportunity just to lift up my voice and give it all to you. And I do give it all to you this morning. Touch each and every family here. Touch each and every person here, Lord. And if there's someone that doesn't know you this morning, Lord, let them, let them find you in that grace. Oh, we praise you. We love you. And it's in your glory. We ask it all. It's in your holy name. Amen. And everyone said? Amen. Some trials may come from day to day, heartache and sorrow.
the 5,000 hungry souls he fed on the banks of that river with two fish and five loaves of bread. What a miracle he performed for the multitude.
but praise the Lord it's done the victory now is won and now it's different oh so different now well it's different now yes it's different now since Jesus saved my soul since Jesus saved my soul well it's different now yes it's different now since by his blood I'm get this off my mind. I've been reading about the beggar when uh, John walked up to, and Peter walked up to the temple. And he was there for 40 years. He was lame. I got to tell you, it was different when he met Jesus and when the power of God. He didn't understand. It's silver and gold. I have no great words. But what I have is the power of God. And that's what he received. And he was healed. And it was different. Well, praise God, it's different. I've been touched. I've been healed. I've been saved. I've been sanctified. I've been blessed by him. And I love him and I worship him. He is real. It is different now. Praise God. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Shame's done all it's stealing And you're desperate for some healing Let me tell you about my Jesus
that good? I want to first say we had uh, Merle here lost his sister yesterday. He got to fly all the way down to Florida, him and his niece, and uh, got to go see his sister, and she died as soon as he got back yesterday. They just, just come in the door, and they called, and I want you to remember him today, and uh, that was a, a challenge for him to go flying all the way down there, and I, I met his sister in the, uh, known her most of my life, but I met her in the hospital a few years back, and uh, she was so sweet and tender to me, so nice to me, and she said, I know who you are. You go to church with Merle, and I said, yeah, but just remember that. Also, back here in the back, we got Ken and Kathy with us, come all the way from Florida to be with us today. They, uh, Kenny, you guys stand up, if you will, just for a minute. They, they've been here ever since this church started. So I want to praise God for them. Uh, Kathy lost her father. They've come up this uh, to have a funeral for him. And uh, just want you to remember them. I think about you all the time. You don't grow up with somebody and see their life and not miss them when they're not here. Jerry and Sharon, the same way. I don't know what's going on in Florida. Maybe we'll all move down there when we get old enough. I don't know. But we do miss you. And we love you. And I want you to keep praying for them that God will help them to uh, stay busy for God. You know what? When we get in this rapture of the church, we're going to be together forever. And I don't have to look back and I don't have to take nothing with me. I don't even have to have to take my prescription pills with me. Ain't that good? I don't have to pack up Monday through Sunday or whatever and figure out what pills I got to take all week. You know, I'm glad we're leaving all that behind. I'm glad God's got a better plan. I love him today, and I thank him for his presence. I don't want to keep you. We're trying to get done by 1230, and I'm starting a little late, but that's not nobody's fault. God's in charge, and I'm happy that God has his way, and I want him to always have his way. But if you've got your Bible, I want you to get it out. I'm going to go to a couple places. First off, I'm going to Psalms, and I want to read the eighth chapter. I want to read one and two, two verses. This is a little different message. I know that we're living in a hard time. I know that what's been said, what Carl said, we're living in a day and an hour. When you can talk about the end time, it's here on us, and everything associates to a certain degree will lead you back to it. I'm not going to stand here and talk to you about that necessarily, but I do want to talk to you about something because I thought about new Christians today, this week. I thought about how God sometimes will reach out and he'll, you find that God's not done yet. He's still drawing people to him. He's still saving souls. How many is glad he's still saving souls? You know what? I'm glad he's still in the saving soul business. If he wasn't, there wouldn't be no reason to bring nobody to church. There wouldn't be no hope. But I know he's working. That's why we ain't gone nowhere yet. And you know what? He's also got something for us to do. But in Psalms, the eighth chapter, I want to read these first two verses. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, 
Who has set thy glory above the heavens? Now listen to this. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. The avenger is someone that uh, strikes back with vengeance at you. We got an enemy. How many knows we got an enemy? I look at these little bitty children around here. I look at all these little babies, all these little young people, little, little young, you know. Some of them can't hardly think for themselves. You could leave the food there, but they'd have a hard time opening the lid to get it out. Uh, they can't take care of themselves. How many knows they're dependent upon their parents? Totally dependent. And I thought about that with the babes and the sucklings. Sucklings are those that's still on the, on the uh, bottle or on the breast or whatever you call it. But that's what they were, that's what he's referring to here. I want you to hear that because out of the mouth of babes and sucklings has he ordained strength. How many knows your strength ain't good enough? Your strength, grown people, it's not sufficient. You can't do this on your own. You need his presence. That's why it's so important when we come to the house of God that we gather in his name, opening the door for him to enter in. Lord, you are welcome in the service today. And he was here today. He is here today. He's in the hearts. He's encouraging people. The songs are lifting people up. Praise God. It goes on all the way in Matthew 21. This is a scripture that goes along with that Psalm 8. And it says in Matthew 21, verse 15, And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, talking about Jesus, is talking about when he came down into the temple and he came down riding down on the donkey. But it says that he did and the children crying listen to this and the children crying in the temple and saying hosanna to the son of david they were sore displeased who was the sore displeased these scribes and these and these uh chief priests they were displeased because they were the children were worshiping christ why because he came into the temple he not only cleared it out but then he began to heal people and the children began to praise him. And when, he, when they began to praise him, let me tell you something. The praise that comes from a child is real. It's true. And that's what I want you to see. I want you to see something in this because it's real. It says, it says here, it says in, in verse 16, And he said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? The priests have come to Jesus. Don't you hear what they're saying about you? They're crying, Hosea. They're praising you, Jesus. And Jesus said unto them, Yea, have you not read? Well, we just read it in, in, in Psalm 8. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. It's these little babies. It's these little children. I sometimes can look in the back. You've seen little Cohen standing up here. I've seen Cohen look over and see people praising. I've seen him put his hand straight up in the air. I see little kids. They like to get involved. They see you praising. Some of them will holler amen. 
I've heard that. Some of them holler, praise God. Some of them are mimicking, but some of them feel the presence of God. I believe they feel the presence of God. I think they know there's something going on in the house. And that's why they're still. And you can watch when the Spirit of God, the children will just look. They'll just stare. And even sometimes the parents will hold them up. Hey, look at what's going on. Because they want the children to see it. And I want to tell you, that's the most important thing you can do, raise your child in the house of God. And pray that the church upholds who they're supposed to be. Allowing God to enter in. I want you to back up to Matthew 18. I want to read something here. Matthew, the 18th chapter. First four verses. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? Listen to this. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. Now, can you imagine that? They asked him a big question Who's the greatest? Is it the preacher? Is it those singers? Is it the the people with gift, spiritual gifts, is it those with the, that's speaking in tongues? Who is it? Those, the most faithful people? No, Jesus told his disciples, he said, bring me a little child. And he set that little child in the midst of them. And I want you to think about it because we got a lot of little children here. And you parents know how innocent they really are. And you know what's in their little hearts. I love to watch them. I love to listen to them. I like to listen to them because I want to know what God sees so special in them little children. Because I grew up in a big family. I've seen a lot of little babies. And they are precious. He set them in the midst and he said in verse 3, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted... And become as a little child, little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now I want to tell you something, though, that's probably one of the greatest statements Jesus ever made. Because you know what? He's explaining to you and I, get over yourself. When you come to Jesus, come and drop yourself off. Lord, I can't do this. I failed myself, and I need to repent. He put that part in there about being converted. He wasn't talking about the little child. He was talking to every one of them. You must be converted and become as a little child. Now, I know what he's saying. He's saying, humble yourself. He's saying, be dependent upon me. See, that's the hardest thing us prideful adults can do. We have a hard time humbling ourselves to say, Lord, I can't do it without you. I can't make it without you. I can't live on one day a week at Sunday and call myself a, a, a holy man or a man of God. See, I need him every day of my life. I need to take him home with me. I need to take him wherever I go. He needs to be in my life. He needs to be a, it needs to be a relationship. 
And if that is probably, well, Carl, one of the darkest parts of the church today is they don't take Jesus home. They want to be entertained when they come to church, but don't ask me to change my life. Don't ask me to turn around. Don't ask me to drop me off because me's what I live for. I'm not picking on nobody, but I'm telling you, we have to be serious about what God's saying. Jesus Christ knew exactly how to strike at every one of us the right way. He wasn't striking down as he's striking you to lift you up. He's trying to rescue you from yourself. I needed rescued. You need rescued. No matter who you are, no matter what you think of anybody in here, you can think they were raised in this. You can think mom and dad. I've been in church since my parents got saved. They got saved uh, about, what, Vicki, nine months before I got born. And I can tell you right now, I don't have no excuses. My parents lived a godly life. They taught me about Jesus. They taught all of us kids about Jesus. <coughs> In 1 Peter, and I'm going to change the tune here just for a little bit, because I want you to see something. 1 Peter, the second chapter, verse 1. Newborn Christian, I want you to hear this. Okay? We're, all, we're supposed to become like little children before God. But how many knows, when I was a kid, my dad, Tom, my dad, used to take us boys, and he'd, he'd say, come over here. He'd put a little mark on the wall. And then later on, he'd call us up there again. He'd say, look, look at how far you're grown. You, you're grown a half inch. You've grown an inch. He kept doing that. And I remember looking at the wall thinking, man, I didn't know I grew that much. How many knows? If you don't continue to grow, you ain't living. If you don't continue to grow, Christian, you can't go in the door, get your ticket, and like I said, go sit in your easy chair. You don't get a ticket and say, I'm going to heaven, and it don't matter what I do, I can hold on to my sin, do what I want. No, I'm telling you, you got to grow up in him. He made you Come humbly. He's telling you to come to him, humble yourself before him. But from that day forward, guess what? You are supposed to grow up in Christ. Learn everything about him. You don't know everything. How many of those little children will come and they'll do something very precious in front of you? Does that set them for the rest of their life? No. You find out tomorrow they're going to have bad attitude. You find out tomorrow they need a little spanking on the hiney. They need a little work done on them, you know, because why? They're growing up. They're learning. It is your responsibility to teach them. Well, I want you to know something. The Holy Spirit was given to us to teach us, to make us grow up. So, Christian, I'm proud of you. If you get saved, I'm proud of you. Walk for God, that's good. But I'll tell you right now, you just begin to live. You just begin to fight a fight of faith. And you either fight it or you will find yourself right back in the same place you were. 1 Corinthians 2. I mean 1 Peter 2. He says in verse 1, he says, Wherefore lay aside all malice. What does malice mean? That means the, the desiring of ill will toward people. You know, 
you got to start laying aside some stuff. God's not going to allow you to get away with your bad attitude. You can call yourself a Christian, and can I tell you, you put on an act what you do. You put on a nice front. And boy, when you come to church, you got that nice suit on or that nice looking look. You cleaned your face real nice, combed your hair real nice, and you're standing in front of people just smiling. I just love everybody. But boy, as soon as you go out and get in traffic, you don't love nobody. It's hard to love your wife. It's hard to love your family. Because, see, the enemy wants you to walk in this world and for this world and for yourself. But God's working on us to grow up, to be mature in him. It says, laying aside all malice and all guile, that's crafty deceitfulness. And, and then it says, and hypocrisy, which is acting something you really ain't. Don't put on the dog because God already knows who you are. And he knows what work needs to be done inside of you. Yes, you said, Lord, I'm sorry. King David said he was sorry. But how many knows King David suffered a lot for some of the things that happened in his life? Your life will change inside. But God's got to do a work on you. Otherwise, you'll go right back to your bad self. He says, as newborn, and then he says, uh, hypocrisy, and then he says, and envies, which is jealousy, and all evil speaking, evil speakings. And I looked that up, and evil speakings talks about def defamation. Now, what does that mean? It means to defame somebody. Now, you know what? I just happened to be on the, the uh, television and they got Johnny Depp and whoever he's fighting against and being sued for defamation. You say, who in the world cares about that? But I don't care myself. But I thought it was odd they used the same word. What's he suing his wife for? She defamed him. She said something to hurt his little feelings and hurt his money. How many knows you can't speak evil to people? God's not going to let you get away with it. You speak evil in the secret places, and God's going to bring it out in the open someday. Maybe not that, but he'll bring you to the same place where you're guilty as they were. They could say the same of you. It says, as newborn babies... Desire the milk, the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. To whom coming as unto a living stone disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. When you come to the Lord, listen to me, he was rejected of Israel. He was rejected of people all around the world. But can I tell you, when you come to him, he's most precious. And he changes the inside of your heart. He gives you a new heart. You love people that you'd never liked before. You couldn't hardly stand to even shake their hand. You couldn't hardly be around them. But now you begin to feel sorry for them and to begin to love them and begin to pray for them. Only God can change your inside. You can put on that, but it ain't true until God sees it in your heart. Now I want you to turn to Isaiah 28. 
I went from being a child, becoming like a little child, to not being a child and growing up in God. And I want you to hear something. Got on this and couldn't get away from it. In the 28th chapter of Isaiah, Isaiah is begin. He's beginning to correct Israel. He's beginning to correct the northern kingdom. He's beginning to correct Jerusalem and Judah. He's correcting them with his words. But I want you to hear something that was going on. Verse 7 of 28. But they also have erred through wine and through strong drink, are out of the way, and the priests and the prophets have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. Now, I don't know what our government's on, but it sounds like to me they're all drunk. Because they ain't none of them knows how to make a right decision. They don't know what justice is. We got a whole, whole third part of our uh, government called the justice system, and they don't have no idea what justice is. I don't see anybody coming to justice. They want to hang laws out in front of people and then turn around and vote in somebody that's for child pornography or easy on it. And I'm thinking to myself, if we don't have a justice system, the sin is going to get worse. The evil is going to get worse. Mom and dad, you lay uh, boundaries down in your home because you know why? God told you to. God corrected you. He showed you what's right, and you're to lay that right thing in front of your children because you're to teach them how to walk and live right before others and God. Verse 8 says, For all tables are full of vomit and filthiness so that there is no place clean. That sounds like America. I hate to say it because we got soldiers here that fought for this country. And I would tell you something, it's sad to see what our country represents. It's sad to see the laws that we push to vote in that are on the wrong side. I don't care if you like me or not. You know, you ain't going to listen to me. Go back and read the Bible for yourself. God knows exactly what God wrote down. And ain't, you know what, that changed one thing. I'm not going to excuse nobody, including my own self, including my children including my grandchildren. If they turn to be like this world, I can only tell them, you need to come to Jesus and change. Let him change you. Quit accepting it. We got so much accepting going on that you couldn't hardly hold down a politician and say, what do you really stand for? Because I guarantee you, he might say five things that you agree with, but the next ten you don't want to hear about. Because they're anti-God, anti-American, and anti-Reagan. And I'm talking about the good ones. I ain't talking about the, the nervy ones. How do you search out? We're supposed to vote this, on Tuesday. How do you search out? How do you seek it? You go to the computer that always tells you the truth. And all those people that's running campaigns and throwing stuff at me, Every time they send me a paper, Carl, and it says, don't vote for this guy, I'm thinking, that's probably who I need to vote for. 
because I'm saying to myself, they, these people are crooked as they can be. And God help me, I'm not their judge. I don't want to be their judge. But can I tell you something? Somewhere along the line, we have to hold ourselves accountable to what God says. Look at verse 9. Listen to the, how do you say, the arrogance of these priests and prophets of God. They're supposed to be the leaders of Israel. Maria said it this morning in Sunday school. The leaders of Israel, the ones that knew the word of God, listen to what they said. Whom shall ye he teach knowledge? Because, see, Isaiah's criticizing them for being a bunch of drunks, stammering around, don't know what the world they're doing. Isaiah's criticizing them. They come back and say, whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. Can I tell you something? And, and I think Mark is the one that said it. DJ's quoted it a few times. You don't give the five-year-olds at the school bus compound the keys and say, drive them to school. you got to have a bus driver. Somebody's done growed up. Well, these, these priests, and they're looking at it like our politicians look at it. Like, I might, be, I might have a whole lot of things in the closet that I'm doing wrong but I'm a whole lot better politician than some of these other people. More or less, I can do a good political job. I can stand for you and vote for this and vote for that, but they're crooked in the background. Can I tell you something? Carl said it. We need some pure people. We need some people that lives right. We need some people that is willing to say, I'm fault myself. Because I can tell you something God already knows. We need people that not only knows what to do, but they do it with a heart for what's right for this country. I'm sorry, I ain't on, I ain't on the political game. But something's wrong because, see, we have a generation that's showing what we've taught them. I'm sorry, adults, but it's the truth. What our generations are voting for, what they're pushing, what they want in their schools, what they want in their, in their cities, downtown city. They want all of them to be like Las Vegas. They want all of them to be a party place. They're throwing alcohol everywhere. Everywhere you go, anywhere we go on a vacation, you'll find out the biggest hit in town is where they make the new brews. I'm thinking to myself, I want to go to a town. You know, I, I've been down to the Smokies a few times. I remember going to the town, me and Shirley going to talk to people in the store, working in the store. They were from that area. And they would tell us stuff like, you know what? I can't believe they voted in drinking in this, in this restaurant or drinking in this town. They should cut that stuff out. We're a godly people down here. We don't believe that stuff. But how many knows they moved in and they gave them exactly what they wanted? And that's what's going on. Why? There's no teaching of God's judgment upon that. Nobody wants to say that's wrong. Nobody wants to say there's a justice going to be held accountable for that. I know you don't like what I'm talking about, but I got to say it. Verse 10. 
Verse 10 says, For precept must be on precept, precept on precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, This is the rest wherewith he may, ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. They would not hear. See, I can tell you God's trying his best to speak to this nation at this time, but they will not hear. They refuse. And when I say that precept on precept, line upon line, you know what he's saying? He's basically saying, you got the gospel all across this nation. You can turn on any television, any radio. You can turn on your internet. You can turn on anything. And you can find the real gospel if you want to hear it. But the truth is, people are running from the true gospel. They don't want to hear it. You're going to step into our world and make us change something. We like the direction we're going. That's why it's hard to get a good politician, because we want to keep going the way we're going. I know. You're going to leave here hate my guts. But i got to speak the truth. That is the truth. And I'm fighting myself to even say it. But see, I believe precept on precept. They was hearing the law. They'd heard the law a lot. God knew they knew the law. God knew these chief priests and these scribes were showing them the law for the prophets. But the truth is, they weren't upholding the law. You want to hear the gospel, but you never apply it to you. Uh-oh. That's meddling, ain't it? I know you've got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So do I. But when I look in God's word, I'm trying to become like my master, like my savior. He told me to study and show myself approved. He told me. And can I tell you, if he can teach me as bad as I was in school, if he can get me here, he can get you here. Some of you are awful smart. I got grandkids in college that are very smart. But I'm going to tell you something. You're only as smart as knowing him. If you don't know him, if you don't follow up with him, if you don't grow up in him, guess what? Down the road, you're going to be a 50-year-old that says, I have no idea what the Bible says about that. I guess I could look it up. Can I tell you something? God requires every one of us to dig into the word of God. Don't go by what my wife sometimes will say stuff to me and I'm knowing she's been digging in the word of God. And that encourages me to fight for more. I praise God when I come to church and I hear songs that bring out some truth or I hear teaching. God's trying to do a great work today. But the church is letting down. Why? Because we don't want to grow up. We want to stay children. We want to stay happy-go-lucky, nothing matters. But can I tell you, that's not, your, that's not yours to have. You're not at home yet. Home is when you go to be with him. But in this life, you either pay the price, or why did God save you? Why did he send his son to set you free? For you to go be living for yourself? I'm sorry, I'm not picking on you. God knows I love you. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't tell you this. But it's true. 
It's what God is saying. And I'm not telling you you have to become anybody else. You just got to become him in you. You don't have to measure up to nobody else. I'm not talking about how much Bible you know. There's a whole lot of people quoting a lot of Bible and walking off of the gospel truth. But the word of the Lord was unto them, precept on precept, precept on precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they might go and fall backwards and be broken and snared and taken. See, we know just enough Bible to get ourselves in trouble. We know just about enough Bible to know it ain't right, but we follow it anyway. The carrot's out. The advertisement's out on TV. I got to have it because somebody else has got it. And can I tell you something? God's saying, what about me? I gave you my only begotten son to die for you, lay his life down, and die to set you free. What are you doing from day to day? Living for self still? You ain't surrendered to him. You have to surrender. You have to bring yourself to him and say, Lord, I want to be more like you than I want to be more like anything in this world. I don't care what I have. I'm leaving it all behind anyway. It means nothing. I want to walk with him and I want to talk. Merle called me yesterday and told me about his sister. Merle, my heart was broke. Can I tell you I love you, buddy? We've been friends for a long time. You've got a good sister. It's hard to let go of those loved ones. Because, see, all you can know is they're ahead of you, and I can go to them, but I can't bring them back. I'm glad Jesus defeated death, ain't you? Amen. God's word, if you look at it, it will rebuke you. Guess what? Without it, you won't grow up. God don't work on you. You ain't going to grow up. My mom and dad corrected me. I thought I knew how to take care of the problem. If dad and mom told me to do something and I go to do it and I decide to do it my way, I could find out pop could take that belt off as quick as anybody. And he straightened me out on what, I, what he told me to do. And my mother too. And you might think that's a horrible thing to say. But I'm telling you something, there ain't nobody I loved more outside of Christ than my mom and dad. Because they love me enough to correct me. They love me enough to help me grow up. They encouraged me, Duran, when he'd pull that little measured tape out and he'd put that little mark on the wall. Boy, you're growing up. Man, you're getting tall. He didn't tell me when I got to a certain place, I'd just start growing out. He didn't tell me that. But how many of those parents know how to raise you up? They know how to encourage you. But today, we got a lot of parents getting away from godliness. They hear the word of God, it's everywhere. But they don't apply it to their own self. In, in 1 Corinthians 3, Verse 1, it says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual. Paul's talking to the Corinthian church. 
but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. Listen to Paul. I want you to hear something. Paul, he's grieving over the church. He's grieving over the Corinthian church. Why is he grieving? He said, I've taught you. I've taught you the basics. You know what it means to live for Jesus. But see, you took what you wanted of it, and then you walked away, and now you're walking a different path. And Paul is trying to lovingly pull them back. He said, I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able, for you're yet carnal. How, do he, how does Paul know they're carnal? He says, for where is there is among you envying and strife and division? Are you not carnal and walk as men? Let me tell you something, Christian. Quit worrying about your rights. Quit trying to get ahead of everybody. Quit trying to push yourself out there. God will lift you up if you need lifted up, but it won't be for your glory. It'll be what he's trying to do through you. Hebrews 5, verse 12 says, For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again which be the first principles and oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Listen to me. Learn the word of God. It ain't your studying that you can be a great witness. Can I tell you something? Your testimony is your witness. Apostle Paul said, I know nothing save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He knew what changed his life. It wasn't his great study and his great knowledge of all these things. No, it was one person that he met on the road to Damascus. He met Jesus. And Jesus changed his heart and ran from then on. He could worship him every day. He could praise him in song. He could go to jail and hang in the jail and worship and praise God at midnight. Why? Because something got changed inside and he was still living on it. But when you listen to his words, we as a church read all of those words that Paul wrote. We realize Paul was awful smart. He was awful dedicated, awful faithful. He knew how to correct the church. He knew how to love them. He didn't know how to love before. He was killing them. But now he's in love with the church, given all he's got. 1 Corinthians 2. I want you to hear this because this is talking to the Christian. Now we have received, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teach, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. 
But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. What's Paul saying to him? He's saying you're not going to get this walk with God, this deep walk with God. You're not going to get into a place where you grow up in God and mature. If you keep thinking you can buy somebody's book and get the answer, I'm telling you where the answer is. It's on your knees before him, and it's in front of this word because I can tell you this word is not written in a foreign language. It's written in a language you can understand it. And when you read it, you find out Jesus and the Holy Spirit has paid a price to bring the love of God to your soul. He'll change you. He'll mold you. He'll make you into the image of his son. And that's what he's trying to do. He's not saved you to leave you where you're at. He saved you to grow up in him. Pretty soon you keep reading your Bible and praying. Pretty soon you'll be willing to, to look for opportunities to say, do you know Jesus? You know what, Dave? Pretty soon you'll be just blurting it out. But Dave's meeting people in the stores and all kinds of people. Why? Because he's willing. God speaks to his heart, and all of a sudden, he opens the door. The, the best one I heard, Dave, was that policewoman. Dave's looking for direction. He pulled over to ask this policewoman. She's sitting in the parking lot, and all of a sudden, he's out there holding her hands, praying with her. How many knows he knew? He, God knows exactly those willing, and he will use you if you'll let him. And you know what? That's the people that's looking for someone to tell me about Jesus, someone to give me hope in this desperate time. Come on back up, Matt. You got it. I got one more place that I wrote down last week, and I'm going to read it. But I want you to hear it because it's important. I'm not saying this to exalt anybody else, especially not pastors. I want you to hear this. This ain't about glorifying anybody. But I want you to know something. When Jesus went away, he sent back ministry gifts. How many knows he sent back ministry gifts? It's in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. He says some are apostles, some are prophets, some are evangelists, pastors and teachers. Why did he send them? What was the purpose for him sending them? Now listen to me, church. Because, see, you can't do this on your own. How many knows you can't do this on your own? You've got to keep reminding yourself, I can't make this by myself. I can't even understand. I used to walk around, and I'd ask my dad sometimes what this means in the Bible. You know what my dad would say? Go to this place in the Bible and read it for yourself and pray about it. He wouldn't tell me the answer. You know what? He wanted me to be hungry. If you're hungry, you'll learn something if you keep reading it. I've read stuff 20 times. And all of a sudden, God would say to me, that's what that means. All of a sudden, I would begin to see what God was trying to show me. But it says in the 12th verse, 
for the perfecting of the saints. This is the purpose for these ministry gifts. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about of every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. There's ministries, I'm sorry to tell you, that's lying in wait to deceive you. All they want is your money. All they want you to do is send for their books. All they want you to do is send. And I have to tell you, I don't even like it when they say we're a, a, a what do they call it? Uh, on TV ministry, just send our tithes to you. You know what? That never was before. These big ministries would have never done that. They just said, go, go to your home church. They don't do that no more. You think I'm jealous of that? I don't care. That's their business. But the point is, they think belonging to them is better than even going to church yourself. And I'm going to tell you something. I spend too much time sitting and watch TV. I don't need to sit and watch their ministry all the time. They don't know me at all. They ain't going to come to my house and pray for me. They're not going to be there when I'm in the hospital. Excuse me. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be nasty about nothing. But can I tell you something? We need to quit letting the enemy lead us away from what God has given us to do. It says, but speak the truth in love that we may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by, the, by that which is every joint supplies, according to the effectual working, in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. God wants us to grow up. That's why he gave ministry gifts. He gives ministry gifts. When you see people up here and they're singing songs that they prayed about and God has given them them songs that day to sing, that's why it ministers to you. They've been praying and wanting God to use what they're doing. And guess what? God's ministering to people. I ain't preaching for you. I'm preaching for him. I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to him. You say, what does that mean? I'm preaching because he put that in me. I'm telling what he has put in me. I'm not telling you what you want to hear, and I'm not telling you what I want to give you. It doesn't matter what I think because, see, God is speaking to your heart. And he wants you to grow up. And he wants me to keep growing up. I'm not done yet. I still learn stuff. I still read stuff sometimes. And I think to myself, well, man, I didn't know that. I need to get get a little bit serious about that study. I want to be all things in Christ. Don't you want him to go everywhere you go? Don't you want to give your children everything that they need to be victorious in this life? If you do, you need to walk through those days. Don't run and hide from it. Don't blame it on somebody else. If you 
if you stop praying for mercy, if you stop praying for mercy for the people in this world, you'll begin to pray for judgment. See, if you lose your compassion for where God's put you, God can't use you. Don't condemn everybody. Don't put them all down. I sound like I'm condemning them. I'm really not. I want God to heal me. I want God to correct this. But sometimes when I look at those political leaders or whoever they are, and I think to myself, I've supported that. Have you supported that? Do you ever check to see what you support or you think it doesn't matter? See, we have to weigh that because I got to go and talk to God. And I got to be honest when I'm on my knees talking to God. And you know what? He knows exactly what I've done and who I am. He not only will forgive me for what I sin I've committed, but he'll forgive me for the sins I've omitted. That means the things that I have not done that I should have done. We're not taking a stand. We're guilty. You'd be shocked what God will take you to if you'll open your mouth and speak to Him. Praise God. Everybody stand. self-dependent because that's the way Jesus said the way to come to him. We come, we repent, we come as a little child, stand before him. Jesus, I stand before you. When I got saved, I can tell you right now, I didn't know the Bible. I'd heard it all my life. I'd been in Sunday school. I'd heard the stories. I can tell you about Jonah and the whale. I can tell you about Noah and the flood. I can tell you about David and Goliath. But I'd never sat down and read them myself. That's pitiful, isn't it? See, I told you I got through school and I never hardly read a book. I got met my my wife, 15 years old. She got me through high school. And I'm not proud of it. I'm just telling you how ignorant I wanted to be. I didn't want to do it. But when God got a hold of my heart, and all of a sudden I'd run from stuff. I didn't want to teach. I didn't want to say I didn't want to do nothing to put me in front of nobody. But God says, as I grow up, I'll begin to throw things in me. And I can't shut up. Now I can't shut up. I know you want me to, but I can't hardly do it. Why? Because I know what he's done in me. You know what he's done in you. Praise God. Follow that path all the way home. Follow that path. Praise God. While they sing something, if you have never come to him, come to to him as a little child. Say, Jesus, I know me. I need to be saved. I've never accepted you as my Savior, and I need to be saved. And if you need to grow 
you all do. And you need to pray, oh God, teach me the word of God. Teach me how to grow, Lord. Let the Holy Spirit convict me over everything that I'm not doing for you so I'll grow up in you. Down the road, 15, 20 years, some of you will be standing up here if this church continues. You need to grow up. I need to grow. So do you. Every one of us. I don't, I don't know why I'm preaching this message other than God put it on my heart. I'm not going to talk about this tonight at all. I'm going to talk about life. Any of you want to come back? I ain't going to tell you what it's about. Just tell you it's name's life. Come back if you want. Praise God. While they sing. Like a blind man who walks in the darkness. Oh, I had long, I searched for the light. Oh, then I met the master. the master now I belong to him you don't belong to yourself no more God's trying to carry the gospel and he has 
from generation to generation ever since it began. I know we're looking at a bad time or bad days, but can I tell you something? God's got somebody and others in here that he wants to work with. And that's why he's bringing stuff like these messages. I'll tell you why. He's looking for teachers. He's looking for preachers. He's looking for evangelists. He's looking for somebody to rise up. You know how much I've learned from just going to little Bible studies and Sunday school all my life? I learned so much in my Sunday school. And you know what? I could go to almost any one of the Sunday school classes and I'll learn. I know I will. Because I'm hungry to hear what God is saying through whoever's been called to teach, whoever's been called to preach. I'm hungry for it. I'm nobody. I'm not trying to put myself somewhere. I only want to fulfill Jesus in me. I want to walk this walk the way I'm supposed to. I want to love my family enough to carry on this gospel truth. What hope do they have when they look at you as mom and dad and don't know how to pray and don't know how to read their Bible, don't know what the Bible says? See, that's our responsibility. I'm not looking for the preacher to do that for me. I remember coming to a prayer meeting one time here on a Wednesday night. We just had a few of us here, maybe 15, 20. My kids, my boys, were about, I guess, 12 and 14. Mandy was about, about 10. All of a sudden, I come up here and I was praying right there. And I remember... The Holy Spirit began to deal with me. And I began to pray, God, I know they're just kids. But I want them to know what real salvation is. They were growing up. I want them to know what it really means to be saved. I don't want them to join the church. I don't want them to be good boys. I want them to know what salvation really is. That was my goal. I remember praying that. I remember the Holy Spirit coming on me. And that's what he put in my heart. I don't care where they work. I don't care how much money they make. I don't care how educated they are. But I care about them knowing who Jesus really is. Because, see, that'll keep them. And he's the one that's defeated death. He's the only hope we got. He's the hope for this church or any church that's going to go forward. He's the only hope. It's not built on how smart we are. It's built on what he's building it on. All he's looking for is people that will stand in the gap, speak what God has showed them. Praise God.